Welcome to the Washdown Podcast, episode number 107. And tonight's guest is Cody Shea. And Cody is a firefighter paramedic uh, with Tacoma Fire Department. Um, he's got about five years on the job. Um, he directed and filmed a documentary about PTSD and depression with uh, firefighters called The Call We Carry. It's on YouTube or thecallwecarry.com. We had a great conversation. I highly encourage everyone to check that documentary out. Um, So like, subscribe, leave a comment, hit the notification bell, all that stuff if you're watching on YouTube. Um, Yeah, here you go. Episode 107 with Cody Shea. It's different every time. Yeah. Well, then, because, like, I wonder if, like, the first three seconds of the video are us just, like, staring stupidly waiting for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, whenever whenever I do the editing, I, I never see that. Like, it's usually as soon as it says recording, it's recording. So Sweet. We, we've went around and round with uh, figuring out Zoom. So. Listen, our, our intention on doing this podcast is good. Our intelligence... Is maybe not so hot. <laughs> uh, well, Cody, yeah. Welcome to the show, Cody. <laughs> Thanks for doing it. Thanks for having me, fellas. Um, so why don't you? Uh, why don't we start? Just introduce yourself. You know where you're from, and then we'll get into everything. Sure, I'm a uh, Cody Shea. I uh, live and work in Tacoma, Washington. Uh, I've been a fireman for five years. I've been a paramedic for coming up on two now. So still a fresh medic and uh, got into this profession. Well, I was exposed to this profession ever since I was a little kid, but both my folks were firefighters and I kind of uh, rebelled against the uh, family tradition up until I was about 29. And then I finally uh, decided to give it another shot and uh, got hired at 29. Uh, so and just then, uh, waited for just before the cutoff to, or do you have an age cutoff there? Honestly, I did. I had, I had a whole <laughs> backup plan because, because at about 25, I was like, you know what? I'll just give it a shot. I'll, I'll go after it. I'll, I'll take some tests and, you know, see if I can do it. And I said, if by 30, that don't work, I'll get my paramedic cert and I'll move out of state. I'll go work for a, um, a Metro Politan system that actually had, you know, city-based EMS to get some experience, see where life took me. And that was my whole plan was to get my uh, medic cert. I was working for private ambulance uh, before I got hired and then uh, going to medic school at the same time, doing that, uh, that, that <laughs> online program, you know, uh, yeah. uh, somewhere out in the East coast and uh, just kind of going through the motions. And my plan was to get my cert and then uh, move to new Orleans. Um, I had some family <laughs> living down there. No, and, no, uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> life didn't didn't work out that way. But then, uh, I was going for Seattle. You know, both my folks were Seattle, and that was kind of my dream. Was you know, I want I wanted to work for the same department my folks worked for. You know, and keep the legacy going and all all that BS they all teach you. And then, uh, I got offered by Tacoma, and it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. And uh, dropped out of medic school uh, immediately. And uh, started that was the about first a month smart later. choice you made. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go back though. Now I'm a medic, so you know, bring it on. 
Yeah. Well, no, he's a medic. So oh, you're a medic too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you guys have medics on your uh, uh, fire apparatus? Uh, yeah, we run ALS pumpers and uh, obviously yeah. ALS ambulances and BLS ambulances. So. Okay, so we have a similar system. Yeah. Um, you know, we only have about four ALS engines right now. Um, and that's kind of probably the best job, I think, uh, once you, once you have some experience on your belt as a medic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what all the, all the medics seem to say is being the medic on the pumper is the, is the best of both worlds. Except right, they, all have yeah. to, they all have to split time on the ambulance. So, well, you know, you, you always, you always lose some somewhere, you know, you get on the on medic unit, you're going to have the best, uh, ALS calls, but you're not going to be, you know, on the line anymore. Yeah. Uh, so, so I always look at it like, well, you get the best of both worlds on that one. Yep. But I got hired and, uh, uh, got into the department. And before I was in the department, I was doing uh, still photography and uh, videography, uh, kind of, uh, on the side, um, I worked for a uh, skateboard company and in the skateboard industry for years before that did videography and still photography for that. And then um, bought some new gear when I got hired and started just, uh, you know, taking advantage of my access to the department. And uh, they started using some of my photos. And before I knew it, they were kind of like, you can come wherever you want and take photos. So I had a uh, pretty much unlimited access in the department. Nice. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I live right now. You know, uh, if there's a cool tech tech rescue drill or something, they might give me a call and I'm like, yeah, I'll come, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, go to the top of the bridges or, uh, you know, top of the Tacoma Dome or wherever. And, uh, you know, I get a lot of cool access. So I'm pretty privileged that way. Ooh, so how did, so obviously we're going to talk about the documentary that you did, The Call We Carry. Um, how did that come about? Was that something that they brought to you or? Yeah. So our, uh, our chief's a pretty rad, rad guy. And he, he actually gives a shit about our morale, which is, you know, pretty rare nowadays what I've come to find out. But I was doing a couple little promotional videos for the department's social media thing. And then he approached me with the idea of like, Hey, why don't you do something on our uh, peer support team? I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, you know, just kind of some kind of infomercial kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> hi yeah, hi highlighting the services of our peer support team. And I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, um, all right. <laughs> and An infomercial? Because it's the 90s? You know, I mean. That was the best way he could describe it, man. And it was like five to seven minutes long is what he wanted it. And I said, okay, well, I'll see who really wants to talk to me about mental health. Uh, and naturally no one wanted to talk to me. <laughs> no, you know, um, it's, it's crazy in the fire service, how you bring up mental health and a lot of people will just clam up. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I didn't really have a big plan going into it. I was just like, maybe I should just talk to some people and see if anybody's willing to talk on camera about like, you know, how the, the team was beneficial or whatever. And there was a guy in our department, um, old salty dog named uh, Vern Porter that uh, he's been in the fire service for like 34 years. And he was down at prevention when I was, uh, you know, you know, pretty getting pretty busy in the South end. So I never really worked with him on the streets, but I knew about him and everybody knew about him and more people were like, you should go talk to this guy. He's got quite a story. 
And so I reached out to him and he was like, Oh yeah, yeah, I'll talk to you. Like, all right. <laughs> and uh he uh he just I had this interview with him in the basement of one of our stations and uh that was the one that you saw in the film. And, uh, you know, he just told this story that was just so like gripping the way he told, you know, the way he explained it, um, how I've explained it to other people is like, it was almost like you were going through it with him. Like, you know, he just explained each stage of what he went through up until like his breaking point. And, you know, there was so much to take from his story and the fact that he was, you know, He's the most stereotypical looking fi old fireman you've ever seen, you know, just oh yeah, big mustache, you know, hard as fuck and, uh, you know, well-respected. And I was like, man, there's really something here. If like someone like this guy, of this caliber can actually open up to this, you know, vulnerability and give me a glimpse. And I didn't even know the guy. Um, and we talked for over an hour. And after that, I mean, that started like a, a really good friendship between us. But I think the word kind of spread beyond that conversation, you know, telephone, tell a friend, tell a firefighter. Um, <laughs> people started figuring out what I was doing and more people started to actually like say, hey, you know, I'll talk. And then I think about a month in after talking to about four people, I told the chief, I said, look, you know, this isn't. I think there's a lot more here, you know, if you'll just give me your blessing to just kind of explore it and see where it goes. Uh, but it's not, it's not a very uh, bright document documentary, if you will, at this time, yeah. it's not a bright video. It doesn't show our profession in a good light. And I said, but it's very real. And I think it might actually do some good. And uh, he, he, without hesitation was just super supportive and was like, go just do your thing. And so I worked on interviewing more people that took about five months. And then I started actually like banging it out every day and just kind of playing around with it and realizing like, Oh, there's an actual story here. And it was all there. And uh, it was a long process. It took about a year, you know, just working on it in my office and showing my fiance and uh, very few limited people, some previews and, um, before I knew it, it was over, you know, and, uh, and I showed him. And then when I showed him, I was expecting him to do the fire department thing and be like, well, you can't have that. You got to cut that out. You can't say this. Yeah. Um, and none of that happened. I was like, what do you want me to take out? And he's like, I don't want you to take out anything. Like, I don't want to interrupt you, but yeah, that, uh, that's probably one of the best examples of leadership that I've uh, heard recently is, you know, it might not look good, but it's real and uh, people need to know. And everybody else needs to know that it's okay to talk about this stuff. Yeah, I was, I was blown away uh, because I knew some of the stuff people were saying, like to some people are going to be kind of shocking, you know, especially yeah. if you're not in our profession, but I knew people in our profession would be like, I know what they're talking about. You know, I knew it resonate with them and that was what was important. And I knew that by him signing off on it, I was like, man, you, this might come back and bite you in the ass, not me, <laughs> but you. Yeah. And uh, he, he didn't even hesitate, man. He just went for it. And uh, yeah, that was how it came to be. And he rented out a little movie theater and we showed it to uh, just our people and their families if they wanted to come and, I think we packed a house like four, four nights 
and uh, from there, it just kind of took off from there. Nice, man. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, we had uh, Taylor Wilkinson mm -hmm. on. Her episode goes live this week, and she had worked in your area. And when I know after, Taylor, yeah. yeah. So she she's like, "Hey, you need to get in contact with Cody. He's got this documentary on YouTube." And I'm like, "Okay, cool." So you know, I go check out the documentary, and I'm like sitting there watching it watching it and watching it and i'm like fuck <laughs> okay well i guess now i have to so yeah that's how i found you on instagram and just like hey man come on talk about this so cheers cheers we appreciate you doing it yeah uh, yeah i wasn't expecting whenever i sat down to watch it i wasn't really expecting it to be that real I was kind of expecting more of a, especially whenever it was, because it was posted to the Tacoma FD page. Right. Um, so I was like, okay, well, you know, they're going to talk about mental health, but it's going to have, you know, there's going to be an angle to it, or it's not going to be what it is. And probably within the first five minutes, I'm like, okay, they actually did it right. So. Yeah, I was super surprised, like I said, that they were so supportive about releasing it, you know. Um, and I knew at some point it was going to go up, you know, to the city council. It was going to go beyond the fire department. It was going to be, you know, a city thing at that point. And that was when I got pretty nervous because I was like, dude, they might just sideline this whole fucking thing. <laughs> and, you know, at that point I was pretty attached to it, you know. And uh, going through my own stuff at the same time was pretty, pretty hectic, you know. Um, cause I was having a lot of issues personally, uh, you know, just from trauma on the job, trauma with life before the job, just everything kind of building up on top of me. And I think the, the only reason I was able to get through that year was because I was kind of channeling all that aggression and all that, uh, frustration and sadness all into that film. You know, I'd, I'd come home every day and I'd, and I'd work on it, you know, some, sometimes up to like 14 hours sitting on this thing and just got obsessed with it and uh that was the only way it came to be but you know also wasn't very healthy for me at the same time you know uh yeah i mean sitting yeah. do, doing that kind of work and listening to those stories you know for that amount of time and over and over and over again i mean it's going to bring stuff to the surface so oh it did yeah for sure it definitely did cody what's yeah. been your what's been your reaction I'm sure obviously you don't sit down and watch it every week and just smile and say, look what I did. But no. <laughs> when you, when it is, when you do talk about it or you do watch part of it, you know, with all your emotion and like you just said, some of the stuff that you were using it almost as a coping mechanism through a lot of the stuff you're going through, looking back on it now, how do you feel? Does it bring back up any reaction for you or, or are you at peace with it? Where are you at with that stage when you look back on that documentary? I feel like I'm kind of, you know, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I still feel pretty uh, involved in it. You know, uh, they, they gave me the go ahead to enter it into film festivals. And that's been a good, you know, reception to get people to see it that would normally never see it um, outside of our profession. Because people need to know, you know, they need to know what they're voting for when, when you know, their fire department needs more stuff or more staff or, you know, they, they should know, like, this isn't just what you see on the movies. Like, this... <laughs> is actually like harmful <laughs> stuff and we go home pretty messed up sometimes so you know the hard part for me i think at the end of it was 
for one, being done with it, not having anywhere to put that stuff. But second of all was I wasn't really ready for all the attention of it, for sure. And I know some people that were in it were definitely not ready for that. And that was where I think a lot of the guilt came in because, you know, I didn't want to cause anybody any issues. I don't want to make them relive their trauma that clearly it was obvious to me, everybody that was involved in the film is still going through shit. Like nobody was like, Hey, I'm, I'm cured now. I'm a great, you know, you know, I'm on, on top of my game and everything like that. That, that was, that was very apparent that like everybody, this is an ongoing thing. And that's how I felt. So watching, you know, some people get attention from it that don't really want it uh, was a little hard to deal with, Um, you know, talking about it over and over, um, organizing a lot of stuff. I mean, it kind of just became my life for a little while. Um, All while I was dealing with my stuff. So I think as far as the film goes, I'm, I'm pretty happy with where it is right now. You know, I do have closure as far as the film's concerned, I think. Um, and right now I'm just, you know, enjoying seeing more people watch it and everything like that. But I also feel the same way in my personal life. You know, I had to handle my own stuff, uh, right after that and take some time and do some serious therapy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, so I, I feel like all my, it's all part of my life and it's all kind of, I see the light at the end of the tunnel now and life's looking a little up, which is a good thing. Cause it wasn't for a while. How, how was your relationship? You said with your fiance, how supportive or what were your conversations like? Obviously, cause you, you made, it, I think pretty clear. You probably weren't in the best. Your focus, I think was your work and this video and you were probably on the back burner and I can only imagine probably how your relationship was. How did you work through that to get to where you guys are today? Well, you know, make it tenfold harder for you um she got hired by the fire department and she she was going through recruit academy and probation throughout this whole thing um yesterday was actually her last day on probation she's off probation now but it was a uh pretty rough year as you can imagine Uh, yeah you didn't know whether you were coming or going most of the time probably yeah, it was like, man, so it was it was a whirlwind of a year. I'm happy it's over. Um, I'm happy she's off probation, you know. Um, I think we both had to kind of take us, a, a, you know, backseat to each other's lives uh, several times throughout the, the year. But, you know, that's what marriage is like. It's what relationships are like. You know, you're going to have rough years, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but well, just thankful we made it through it, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, sometimes it's just like, hey, it's going to suck for a little while, little while. We're going to do the best that we can. And it just yeah. kind of is what it is, you know? So, yeah. And, you, you know, you remember like when you came on, like your first year and like how shitty that was. But like a few years go by and it's kind of like, you know, you focus more on like the fun times of Recruit Academy or, <laughs> you know, the fun points of probation. You don't think about like, like all the other days that just fucking sucked. Yeah. And so it's almost like I was like going through it again with her. So it was very interesting too. But uh <laughs> we know, actually, it was a rough year. We were actually just talking about that station last day. There was between overtime there were three of us that were all from the same academy class working together. And we were reminiscing <laughs> over funny stories and whatnot and and 
one of the one of the guys made the comments. He's like, "Wouldn't it be nice to know you're in the good old days when you're in the good old days?" And it, yeah, it, it was the yeah. same like for our academy class. Like some of the, like at the time, we're like, "God, why are they yelling at us? Why are we doing all these towers? This is terrible. This is miserable." But the lack of responsibility that we didn't have then, you know, just the overall like, yeah, coddling babysitting that we didn't realize that was going on. <laughs> like, can we go back to that? This. <laughs> This shit kind of sucks now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, but like yeah, looking they... back when you were a kid, you know, you didn't realize how good you had it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then you come out to the stations and it's uh, clean this, clean that. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. yeah. Do this, do that. <laughs> yeah. Those, those are the days you come home at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning and you're like, I don't even know why I signed up for this. this I am yeah. quite literally the dumbest person on earth. Yes. I, I know nothing. I, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, what's weird. I, I don't know. Kind of uh, like for being, being a medic coming on this job, it was a weird dynamic too. Cause you go into the stations and they're like, shut the fuck up, clean this. Your opinion doesn't matter. We don't give a shit about you. You probably won't <laughs> even get back. But then you run the medical call and they're like, what do you want? You're in charge. I'm like, Nah, nah, I'm <laughs> shutting the fuck up and I'm gonna go clean this sink while you take care of this person because that's what I'm good at. <laughs> yeah, man. It it was hard to uh it's hard to prepare somebody for that too. You know, you can't just be like, This is what's gonna happen, this and that, you know. It's like you just gotta figure it out. <laughs> yeah. You gotta go through it just like we all did, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but speak- as far as go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, as far as our, our relationship, you know, it 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 took some time away from it for sure because I was so damn obsessed with trying to finish it. But I'll tell you, she was she was probably my best resource throughout the thing because I'd get a I get stumped and I'd be like, "Can you watch this and tell me what you think?" And she was just brutally honest with me. She's like, "You can cut that out. You can cut this out," and like her opinions like actually got the thing done, which like I can't thank her enough for because there was times I was like, "I don't even know what the fuck I'm <laughs> looking at," you know. She get an editor credit? <laughs> oh, for sure. She got a thank you in, the, in that one for sure. Yeah, she did good though. But she was super supportive of the whole thing, and she and she continues to be. So, did you yeah. tell her like after like, hey, we can't break up because you're in the credits now, and that's just gonna be awkward <laughs> going forward. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. For sure. So, in the process of making this, and I want to kind of go back to something a little bit of that you said of preparing people for stuff. Did that did that topic ever come up of how we could potentially prepare the next generation better for those mental challenges that we face? Make them like help them be a little bit more resilient so that they don't have to go through that same the same crap that you know people from my generation, James' generation, your generation have gone through. You know, to where we're maybe cutting down on the addiction rates, the PTSD, the suicide rates and all that stuff. Like, is there something that we can do or an idea of something that we can do like in the Academy or in their first year or something to where we're giving them a little bit of armor for that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a big proponent of that. I mean, I think the key is get it, get at them early, get at them young, get them, get at them before they see this shit so they can recognize it when they do see it you know, um, recognize the behaviors, you know, our department's been showing the film to the recruit classes while they're in recruit school still. Fantastic. And, you know, they, they've been having really good success with it, you know, and and I look at it, like, if you give these people these tools and these options, then 
this taboo thing that we're so used to um, as you know, within the fire service currently about it being, you know, a stigma and something that you don't really talk about because it makes you look weak. You know, if you kind of break that down before they even get into the profession, hopefully, you know, in 10, 15, 20 years, you know, that, that stigma will have actually gone away, you know, that people will feel more comfortable. Um, but I'm more concerned now about where do we go from here for services available to people. You know, it's great that we're acknowledging it and everything like that, at least here. But I know, for example, on the East Coast, and a lot of people I've talked to aren't, aren't, aren't as lucky. You know, they don't even recognize it as being a problem. Yeah. Uh, which really bums me out. Uh, yeah, that's from a lot of the conversations that I've had. Um, you know, you've got one or two here or there, and they're like, yeah, we're beating our head up against a brick wall trying to you know, make change and get them to recognize this is a problem. And it, as far as the services and stuff, I mean, there are nonprofits, but they're spread out and it's limited space. And if you want to talk about, you know, trying to get into see a therapist, especially one that is culturally competent and that knows what the hell they're talking about and what, you know, whenever one of us comes in, they know what to look for. I mean, you're talking about wait times that are ridiculous Months. and it's, yeah. And it's not, it's not the therapist's fault. It's not the nonprofit's fault. It's just, there's not enough of them to go around. They're just as, if you look at it, like being short staffed, even more short staffed than we are in the fire service or in the police force. You know, one thing I've, I've heard you, you, we probably all hear it at the fire stations. You and I have joked and bitched about it before of, well, the people we're hiring just aren't the same these days. That, that could be, it, it's true and it's not. Um, but one thing I like about, and Cody, Jeremy, now have had this conversation in previous episodes. One thing I like about your documentary is, it, in all honesty, it may be the most valuable recruiting tool for the fire service that's out there. For a long time, we've recruited off this facade of come be a hero, get your cape day one, come make a difference, come save lives that's a part of it, but that's not the true reality of what this job is. And it's not the fault of the people that are like, Hey, I'd like to step up and help my community in this glorious way that we see advertised on station 19, Chicago fire, whatever you may say it would be. Let's just tell them the truth. We, we may get less people, but we may, we may get the right people and not people that are, we've lied to about what this job is to come on and, they very quickly realize, hey, this isn't, this isn't what I was signed up for, truthfully, and it's, and it's a disservice to the citizens. We're we're using their tax money to put them through an academy and buy them gear and do all the training for them to last a year. That's it's a disservice to the citizens on a grandest scheme, really, if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've seen people quit already. You know, like they've, they've gone through a night where they've had two, you know pediatric shootings and literally they've just quit they're just done you know and and i feel like those are the kind of people that like they were not, clearly not warned about what was what was coming you know or clearly not debriefed you know there's always room for improvement i guess is my point yeah and and i've seen that so i've got 18 years on and i can tell you seven eight nine ten even ten years ago you didn't see people quit I mean, like very rarely you might see somebody leave, you know, before it was time for them to retire if they weren't injured. 
but it was super, super rare. And now it's like, I've lost count of how many people with less than five years on have just said, I'm out. And yeah. yeah. Just be completely out of the career field or go to another department or whatever. And it's like, Hey, we have to find a way to retain these people and probably hiring the right people. Like you said, at the beginning, we'll help with that. And that's in that being said, you know, this ain't, this job ain't for everybody. You know, we all know that. Yeah. Um, but I, I hope, you know, I, I just hope they get at people early and try to instill some of these um, notions into them while they, well, before they have any experience, you know, build upon that foundation at the recruit level. And so when they come into the field, they already have this knowledge and understanding about what is available to them and that it's okay. And that what we see is definitely not normal. And, you know, that's all right. That's all right. Well, and so, and I think it's just, you know, like you said, it's not about saying like, Hey, when you see this, this is what you do. It's, it's just keeping it open saying, Hey, you're going to see something along these lines. Here are resources available. Here are different ways because it's so in our nature to just say, oh, look at this problem. I must quickly solve it. That's our job title. That's what we're paid to do. It's in our nature. And we're going to want to quickly tackle any, you know, any, any challenge and immediately come up with a solution. And when it comes to mental health or just especially preparing for the lifestyle and some of the things you're going to see, it's not a, it's not an acute fix. It's not happening quickly. No, no. Um, I mean, for us, you know, we, in in comparison to some of the departments, we're way full. We're way for further ahead in uh, at least our acknowledgement that there's a problem. You know, I know locally, what what some of our issues are are more at a state level, um, but also like you said, the resource level. You know, what 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 does someone do when they actually like go through a rough shift and they're like, man, I don't see an end right now. Like I I need to talk to somebody right now, and it might not be on the peer support team. Their department might not even have peer support. They might not even know anybody in the department well enough to trust them. So what, you know, in an ideal perfect world, what I would like to see is a program like Rebound, which we have for us, where if you're hurt, you call and you get an appointment within 48 hours for whether it's your back, your leg, you know, anything you need to get you back to work. But look at mental health in a similar aspect to where, those resources are available to you right now. And you'll have a list of, like you said, competent counselors that have experience dealing with people um, in our professions. Um, I think traumatologists are probably some of the best uh, fit for that job, but having those resources available and then also, you know, educating L and I and state uh, workers compensation to that, this is actually a thing and quit trying to actually put money and resources together to try to fight these claims versus actually like trying to get people the resources they need. You know, um, it's one thing to go through a crisis and not have any help, but it's another thing to go through a crisis and then fight, for instance, the fucking state who's like, well, you can't have PTSD because you can't, you know, give us one, uh, particular incident where this happened and we all know this job's uh, accumulative stress you know this yeah. shit builds on top of each other yeah so and what, is, and what is so crazy on that topic Cody 
is it varies so much from state to state of, you know, like Arizona. Um, we had Travis Gribble on the show. He was a cop in Arizona and PTSD retirement. Like it was done, not an issue, but you know, you guys, fuck no, you, we're the state. You don't have PTSD. And it just, it's so wide and varied across, you know, every state's different. Why yeah. is it, why is it different? Like, it's not like the science changes at the state line. No, no, it doesn't. And, and you hear, and me personally, I know people that have gone through things that like, I personally can't imagine how I would handle if that happened to me tomorrow. You know, you know, with people that are close to him. Um, he's awake. Um, Shocker. Yeah. Firefighter has a Dalmatian. <laughs> <laughs> he's moving around. He's going to plop. But, I've, I, you know, I've seen people go through things that I can't even imagine. And the level of disrespect that I, I take it personally, you know, when they're like, oh, yeah, they denied me. It's like, How the fuck did they deny you? Yeah. you know, I can't imagine you're still walking around. You know, um, yeah. There's, well, there's always room for improvement, but I feel like we're further ahead than a lot of people, which makes me really sad. Well, I mean, just the fact that you know your chief and department and city council, I'm assuming, supported the documentary. You know, I know the chief and the department did, and let you put it out there. I mean, that speaks volumes, man. I mean, you you really are. I think you guys are headed in the right direction with that yeah and so i mean hopefully you know the the resource part of it you know can get figured out and prevention and all that stuff but yeah i think you guys are on the right track um i think you know we have all these unions and maybe they need to get off their ass and like get some shit done at the state level across the right. United States and get some shit right. done at the, at, get some shit done at the federal level and fucking make some changes or what are, what are we paying union dues for? Right. Cody, what have you yeah. seen since your documentary came out culturally, just, just in Tacoma, what have you, what have you seen change everywhere from policies to just conversations in the station? What, what's different? Um, I, you know, a lot of, thank yous and a lot of people that have approached me that I don't think would have ever, uh, you know, maybe opened up to me like they have. Um, that was a big surprise. One of the hard parts is, you know, you want to be there for your people and, you know, I love everybody I work with and, um, you know, I want to be there for them at the same time. One of the hardest things for me is, you know, I, I'm not a mental health professional. I have no mental health training. I'm not on the peer support team. You know, I literally am right there with them going through it as they are. All I did was put together a video, you know. Uh, so that was, that's was that been kind of difficult, too, because a lot of people want to open up to me now and tell me, you know, how they've been struggling. And, you know, the, the I don't like to really give people advice because I don't feel like I have enough life experience to really tell people what to do, <laughs> you know. But uh, But all I can tell them is, hey, this is what I did and this worked for me. And, uh, you know, I'm still fighting through it. So that, that's been a challenge. But I think it's been more talked about. More people have been open about it. Um, it's definitely created more conversations. Um, all of our surrounding departments have 
kind of reached out and they wanted to do their own screenings for their people and several did so. Um, so a ton of support just from the region alone, um, not just Tacoma, which is nice. That, uh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. And honestly, man, I think that's the best advice that you can give somebody is look, I went through it. This is what I did for me. Everybody is different. It might not work for you, but the important part is I'm still here and I'm still fighting. And yeah, you know, that's, that's what we kind of try to stress. I mean, is not every, not, there's no one single treatment or thing that you can do. That's going to fix everybody because we're all, we're all individuals. Right. So look, you got to, the, the main thing is to keep searching until you find that one thing. Unfortunately to quote Oak Island, uh, we've got to find the one thing. (laughs) (laughs) Cody, I'll I'll ask you this is, you know, it's kind of funny, but is there going to be a sequel? And I asked that is, is there, is there, is there still more of a story to tell? Yeah, I've actually been approached by that, um, about that already from people outside of our departments that are interested in it. And, you know, I don't really know, man. I I know that there's other film projects I want to do, um, most having to, you know, most surrounding the fire service for sure. But um, I do think there's a lot more to be told. I just don't really know how to present it. And uh, I think I'm going to kind of be in the waiting, waiting mode. And if something big happens legislation wise, if, you know, some uh, department really wants to get a handle on maybe creating that system that I mentioned earlier, um, I'll be there for sure to film it and just kind of document it. And, you know, if there's a story at the end of it, absolutely. But I, the one thing it is that I think this film was missing is a lot of solutions. Like we didn't really go over a ton of, you know, this specifically happened. You know, we really wanted to just kind of break it down as like, Hey, let's have a conversation. Let's not try to solve this through this film. It was just like, Hey, let's acknowledge it. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Let's let people know it's okay to talk about it. Um, but like you said, that, that leaves a lot, a lot left so yeah. a lot of techniques a lot of things people do to relieve stress that i think are worth being talked about um so you know possibly yeah yeah well i mean you know i think you started where you needed to start though of just awareness acknowledging the problem right. so i mean because until everybody does that we're not going to be making strides forward no, and I also didn't want to make it, you know, this really long video where, you know, we've all watched films that drag on and drag on, and I just, I didn't really, you know, I wanted to keep it as short and maintain as much attention span as possible. So, uh, Well, yeah, especially this day and age where it's every 20 minutes, it's squirrel. Yeah, <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah but there is some really good stuff. There's some really good stuff out there, man, for people to do that I hope people tap into, you know, therapies, um, you know, exponentially great. It's a good thing. I think a lot of people um, stigmatize even therapy and therapy is a really good tool. Um, You know, I've been a, you know, pretty active in therapy since uh, this film was done, even before that, but uh, hit it pretty hard then. Um, 
you know, I'm a big believer in some people need some medication to kind of take that edge off, you know, when everything, when every edge around you sharp and nothing looks up or looks bright, you know, sometimes it's okay to maybe take that edge off. Um, something I've been really uh, into lately is uh, this cold water therapy. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, like ice baths? Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> explain yeah, it people are like yeah i don't yeah. want to know <laughs> <laughs> no um so this doctor uh mark harper uh released this book called chill and uh one of our firefighters uh her and i are pretty close and she said hey i've been doing this thing where you know you box breathe you get your heart rate up and then you go into water about you know 55 56 degrees and you, you know you put a stocking cap on you wear some headphones and you kind of just gel with the water and you're cold as shit for about 30 seconds but then it kind of just goes away and you're only in the water for about four to or three to four minutes depending on the uh, temperature but um, basically what it does is it activates your fight or flight response and then it kind of trains it so that things that are maybe get you super worked up when they hit you don't get you as worked up um obviously it's a good cardiovascular exercise as well but it's kind of a good reset man like after like a shitty shift and you just want to like reset and don't want to go home with all this aggression uh you know it takes what 20 minutes to go down there and get in the water for for us and that's been a pretty pretty game changer i never thought i'd like going into cold water but um I don't know if there's anybody here in the Midwest that wants to hear the word cold right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you or guys water for that yeah. matter. <laughs> yeah. The the other thing that I have been doing though is uh the EMDR therapy. Um, oh, yeah. which is um I don't know if you guys are very familiar with that at all. Uh yeah, my my wife is a therapist, so I and, get and she's EMDR trained and, and she's I've a actually huge done fan it. of it. So I've done it with his wife and it's Yeah. What do you think about it? Um, so actually in, in my situation, it was after a, uh, after a not work related or anything, uh, shooting and I had a pretty, I, I was having a hard time and, and I talked to her on the phone just in tears, bawling over it. The, what was weird was the, the physical reaction it was causing afterwards, just, the like the almost just severe pain or numbness in my arm and just this, all this wave of emotions. And I, um, I did it with her and it, it still every once in a while, but it, I noticed just immediately just kind of training, talking through the situation, having going through the responses with it. I, I was a huge fan actually. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It was a game changer for me. Um, you know, I, Somebody said, you know, it doesn't make it go away. And no, it doesn't, but it definitely makes it uh, a little uh, less edgy for me. You know, yeah. it doesn't yeah. hurt as much. Yeah. Well, the, the purpose of it or whatever is to, you know, you're always going to remember that kind of stuff, but it's to take the emotion that's attached to that memory and put it where it's supposed to be and not be so entrenched with that memory anymore. Yeah. So you don't no, get the I, same reaction. Yeah, I had I had a really really awful call last year. It was uh well this year, uh, the beginning of the year, kind of when I first started working on the film, 
and it was a breach delivery in this um um it was a pretty uh rundown apartment it was a second story no elevator and she was in the back bedroom so her second kid and i was on the medic unit showed up uh engine was already in there and uh first thing i see is she's on the floor on all fours and the medic on that engine was just holding this baby like halfway out and he's like help and uh <laughs> and we tried to get this baby out man like we tried and we tried and it took us i mean no shit it must have been it was at least five minutes you know trying to get her to go on her back and try to get her to go on her knees and uh nothing was working and uh it got to the point where we were like we gotta fucking go uh we need to get you out of here and uh anyway i it was one of those moments where it was really dynamic there was a dynamic uh delivery and then right when we were just basically like you got to get on your back now because we had to carry her out and we just couldn't carry her out on all fours i mean there was too much shit in the way we had to go down two flights of stairs it's dark it was just a shit show. It was not a good, not a good situation. And we, I, she goes, okay, I'll get on my back. And she got on her back and then boom, kid comes out. I catch the kid and the kid's dead. And immediately, you know, we, we cut the cord. Someone drug mom out and we got to work on the baby. I mean, so it went from one dynamic call to a really another dynamic call. And uh, I put the IO in the uh, leg and I'm like a brand new medic. Um, I'm on probation, not even like on my own yet. And uh, put the IO in the leg and I go to unscrew it to put in my uh, IV extension. And I'm like, the fuck? And it wouldn't twist. And I'm like, my brain just wouldn't work. And, you know, there's a code. We're doing CPR as well. And I'm like, you're like, where's that IO? And I'm like, well, something's wrong. I, I don't know. And I got a defective piece and I never looked at it. There was no part to unscrew. It was all fused together. Oh. So basically, and it was, so basically I just uh, in, drilled a solid board needle and I had no way to get it out. So I had to put in another IO and then we uh, lost the tube and then we had to run out with this kid. And I mean, I was just so all my training went out the fucking door, you know, and I'm brand new. And I was just so stressed. And I was just so like, I forgot dose calculations and I forgot like um, CPR fractions. I mean, and mind you, there was, there was other medics on scene. You know, I was the youngest and the newest out of about four other paramedics on scene. So we're all doing shit, but I, you know, we got the kid back, uh, worked him for about, 15 minutes got the kid back and we're, we're running into the hospital and rode the gurney up to the uh, ED just watching the monitor and keeping my finger on the um, brachial but also holding in the tube because we couldn't secure the tube because we could never dry the baby off from the delivery when it was just yeah. so quick and uh, anyway they took the baby we got the baby there alive and then the baby died you know an oxic brain injury um and that was a that was a tough one to swallow, um, especially being like my first 
baby code, you know, and I didn't really know how to handle that one, man. And I really blamed myself for just not knowing my shit. You know, did it make a difference? No. Would it have made a difference? Now I don't believe it would have. But in that time, I was like, you know, that was my responsibility. Doesn't matter if I'm new. I should have known that the CPR fraction was fucked up. I should have known that IO was screwed up. And then you just kind of like start picking apart your own um, process of treatment. And it's not a good way to navigate that by yourself. Um, but I, you know, I held on to that for a long time, uh, all throughout the year. And then I finally did the EMDR and I think the breakthrough was for me in reliving it, uh, who was putting me through it said, well, what, what was, what did you do when you didn't know what to do? What did you do? And I said, well, I did this, you know, I, I went for another IO and I got that IO. what did you do with that after that? And then he basically pounded into my head that I did the next best thing. It wasn't that I did nothing. It wasn't that I failed that patient. It was my, my training didn't work. I got thrown into that fight or flight response. I got worked up, but I did do something. I did the next best thing. And that kind of was a breakthrough for me and kind of allowed me to see that you know, the, the bright side of like, for one, I learned a lot on that call, you know, and two, I did the very best I could. I really did, you yeah. know, and sometimes that, that's hard to, that's hard to see. And sometimes you really need that extra outside source to really allow you to see that perspective. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and dude, that's so common. The, the beating yourself up after a call because for some reason and it could be personality types or i don't know why but most firefighters whenever we show up on a scene we assume that we're going to fix everything you know and i i don't know why that is but every call is going to have a positive outcome and we're going to save everybody and you know just go down the line and that's not reality reality is you're you're going to lose patience you're going to do everything perfectly and they're going to die you know or yeah. you're going to roll up on that house fire and you're going to do everything perfectly and you're still not going to get those people out or you're still you know going to lose the house because of something that's well beyond your control and sometimes you're just behind the eight ball you know yeah. like, like like that we were fucked before we got there you know what yeah. i mean you know i i've, I've learned very quickly, at least in my aspect of that. It's one of two things when we get called. A, we shouldn't fucking be there, which is 70% of the calls, it seems like. <laughs> or B, we were, we're already too late when we walk in the door. Yeah. It seems like there's no real happy medium anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't deny that. We had had a fire the other day, and, you know, I'm a district safety officer so i drive the battalion chief he's a fun police is what he is uh, yes i'm nice. a fun police. <laughs> I walk around at fires and i go put your helmet on put your gloves on uh, uh, put, yeah. your, put your back on in the roof dumbass yeah. Fuck you. even though i never wore one when i was a truckman but whatever <laughs> um so no but we get there and there's 
flames blowing out of this roof. And so I go in and I'm radioing back, you know, Hey chief, we, uh, there's some smoke in here, but there's no fire. So it's all in the attic. And so I've got, you know, four or five truck guys and they're beating the hell out of the ceiling. Well, it was basically the, the homeowner used the attic for storage for everything. And they just took huge chunks of plywood and dropped them on the rafters. So, I mean, we're hitting these chunks of plywood with the pike poles oh. and doing fuck all. Yeah. So, yeah. And so the chief's radioing back and he's like, if you guys don't get a hole, you're coming out because, you know, we got some, the, the roof is not going to last for much longer. And thankfully we were able to, you know, find a couple of sections where they'd put particle board instead of plywood and punch a couple of holes and get a line up there. But yeah, man, I mean, that's beyond <laughs> our control though, because you yeah. know, it's, you just can't punch through that stuff in enough time whenever it's already compromised. So it would have been totally understandable for the chief to go, it's not safe, get out. And that house would have burnt the whole roof off. Right. So, yeah. And we did everything right, but still didn't have a good outcome. No, no. Yeah. We got a lot of hoarder houses uh, in our districts into several hoarder fires and they're, they're not fun. Uh, no, I was doing a lot of running around chasing that fucking thing. (laughs) Yeah. I I was at one last night. I may have fallen down a time or a dozen tripping over shit, tangled up in wires. Yeah. It was a a shit show for sure. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck is that? Yeah. The amount of times I've said that in the house fire, I've probably lost count. Oh, dude. It was, yeah. Or what the fuck is that doing there? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the fuck is there a couch here in this fucking kitchen? <laughs> because why wouldn't there be? Come on, man. Oh. All right, man. Well, dude, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, this has been fantastic. Um Yeah, I, yeah, I, thanks, I love the, I love the documentary. I love what you're doing there. Um and I wish you all the best, man. Yeah, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for uh, having me on. And uh, one, I'm sure one of these days I'll get I'll get down there, down in the Midwest. <laughs> oh yeah, come on. We got some have some good barbecue down here. We'll we'll have to that, time it. We'll have to time it in between the blizzards and the tornadoes and the heat drought. But yeah, outside of that, we'll. <laughs> yeah, I'll, we'll I'll have pick the heat, man. <laughs> I can oh. hang. I can hang with the heat. So. Cody, do you got any uh, uh, closing thoughts before we wrap it up? No, I, I like I said, thanks for having me on. And, um, you know, just I hope people it kind of inspires people to be there for each other. And if, you're, if your department doesn't have a peer support program or doesn't have any resources into mental health, you know, maybe that's that time to take that leadership role and at least suggest it and start pushing it in your departments, you know sometimes all we have is each other and politicians sure as shit ain't going to do it for us. So um, I think we need to be there for each other. And um, if you haven't seen the film, please check it out. Um, all the links are at uh, the call we And uh, you can find uh, anything on Instagram at Cray Shea and uh, you can find uh, the film on Facebook at the call we carry. James. I just, I, 
like I kind of said earlier on my final thoughts, I'm I'm just glad that we're finally, I think, starting of, of the many things that needed to shift in the fire service and just public service and, you know, first responders in general. We're finally waking up. People are waking up to the reality of what the job is. It's not a Michael Bay film. It's not a... Be a lot cooler if it was. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's not whatever the law and order guy you know well it's not dick wolf show it's 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 the call we carry it it, that is it that is the job now there's a lot of laughs there's a lot of camaraderie there's a lot of stories that people never believe but the 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 sooner the world realizes just what this job is i think it'll only be beneficial for the job cool um yeah once again cody thanks for coming on man appreciate it uh and like you said, you know, we'll end it like we do every episode. If you are struggling, reach out. There are resources out there. Um, if you know somebody that's struggling, reach out. Let them know what resources are available. And, uh, yeah, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>